JT and singers, musicians, beautiful. What a beautiful name it is, amen? Amen. Amen. What a wonderful name and powerful name it is, that name of Jesus. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles. Can you hear me? Good. Am I okay? Good? All right, good. Turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. And if you glance at the screen up there, you'll see... I'm returning to the study in the unseen world. I've been pastoring about, I don't know, close to 40 years here and another five, maybe maybe 44, 45 years, something like that. And I've never stopped a series in the middle of the series and started another series. But I did back in February. You may remember we were in this study on the unseen world. Well, and Russia invaded Ukraine. And so I, I started a series on Russia and Armageddon. And that lasted a pretty long time and so forth. And other things have come up since then. And so now I'm, I'm returning to this study uh, on the unseen world. And uh, we're going to look at some interesting things along the way. We're going to look at what's the difference between hell and Hades. Where and what is Tartarus and where is the bottomless pit and so forth. When we think of the unseen world, the first thing we think of is God himself. And rightfully so, because we can't see God with our human eye. And, uh, but there's a whole lot in that unseen world that we're going to look at. And, uh, and see what the Bible says about it. Now, in our passage today, we've got this wonderful passage. I just want to... Really, the text is going to be chapter 16, but I want to read the verses around it because it is so, so beautiful. Uh, let's start Colossians 1 and verse 13. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. You and I used to be under the power of darkness. But now we're in the kingdom of Jesus. Amen? God's own Son. Look at verse 14. In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Are you glad your sins are forgiven? And we are redeemed. Wow. And then it says, Who is, that's the Lord Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God. There's uh, our word, invisible And the firstborn of every creature. Firstborn means first place. He's the preeminent one. He is the supreme one in all of creation. And uh, it's going to go on to say he made everything. And so he is the image. That is when Jesus said, when you see me, you see the Father. He's the exact stamp, the exact image of God the Father. Verse 16 says, For by him, that's Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible. Jesus created this visible world that you and I see. He also created an invisible world that you and I cannot see right now. The unseen world. And... Uh, whether there be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. That word consist means coheres or is held together. Not only did he create everything, 
He still today is holding the creation together in his hand. And then it says, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the, uh, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. You know, in our lives, God doesn't just want a place. He, just, he doesn't just want a prominent place. But he wants a, the preeminent place, first place, above everything else in, in all of our lives. And then it goes on to say, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. One more verse. Jump to verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not only does he redeem us, not only does he forgive us, not only does he translate us out of darkness into his kingdom, he comes into our hearts to be our Lord, our Savior, our Master, our Shepherd, and our best friend. Amen? What a wonderful Lord. Well, in verse 16 it says, He created the visible and the invisible. You and I are thinking about the invisible. Pray with me, Father. Thank you for your word today. Speak to us and teach us. Make us aware of your teaching in the Bible, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We did this back in February, but I want to do it again this morning. And that is I want you to, everybody to just stare right at me. I know it might be painful, but try it for a minute. Stare at me and the pulpit and then look at that big glass, beautiful glass behind me where the baptistry is and that beautiful wooden cross. Now, you're looking at these things. Now I want you to close your eyes, everybody. Close your eyes. Now you can no longer see the pulpit, unless you're cheating. And you can no longer see me. But I'm here. Just as sure as if you could see me, I'm here right now. You just, your eyes are closed and you can't see me. You can't see the cross up behind me or the plate glass either. Suppose I said to you, keep your eyes closed and I'm going to maybe walk away and, and keep your eyes closed for 10 minutes. Now, I'm not going to do that because everybody would go to sleep, I know. Some of you are already dozing off. And then you knew I, I have time to walk out. I might have time to get in my car and get halfway home in 10 minutes. You wouldn't know whether I'm here or not. But if I promised you, okay, I'm not going to wa walk away from this pulpit. I'm going to stay right here. If you believed my promise, you would know that even though you couldn't see me or hear me, I was here. Now, I might break my promise sometime. I certainly wouldn't intend to, but I'm human and weak, and sometimes unforeseen things happen. But God never breaks his promises. He is here. He is here. The unseen world is just as real as what we see with our eyes. We just can't see it yet. You can open your eyes now. Shake your husband and wake him up. Now maybe, maybe today there are angels in this room. I wouldn't be a bit surprised because one of their jobs is to minister to the heirs of salvation, that is, believers, Christians. 
So they may be here watching over us today. There may be one up. I kind of, sometimes I look at those lights that are kind of uh, two lights together like that. They look like angel wings, don't they? But maybe there are angels up in the corners and they're floating around. Some angels had wings, and maybe not all of them, but some in the Bible had wings. There is an unseen world around us. You remember the story in, in 2 Kings chapter 6 where Elisha, the great prophet, uh, had the servant with him and uh, the, the king of Syria sent his army down to arrest and, uh, uh, Elisha because God was telling him things. And uh, so they woke up that morning and in the little town of Dothan and the servant looked out the window and boy, he began to tremble. I picture him in my mind. He began to tremble and, and uh, he went to Elisha and said, What are we going to do? What are we going to do? The whole, there's a whole army surrounding us. And Elisha said, don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. There's more with us than there is with them. The New Testament tells us, greater is he who is in you, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Amen. And so then Elisha prayed and said, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the servant looked up and he could see chariots of fire all around see our God is the God of angel armies and uh, he's always taking care of us now e Elisha couldn't see those angels he just knew God was taking care and uh, the servant got to see those angels for just a few seconds maybe I told you a lot of stories about angels back in February when we started this study, but I did want to pick it back up and talk a little bit about angels again before we move completely on. You remember the story that was, was in David Jeremiah's book and Billy Graham's book. Both of these books included this story. And, and uh, by the way, there's a lot of crazy books out there on angels, a lot of crazy stuff. If you Google angels on the internet, you'll get more foolishness than you, do, than you get truth. And so be careful what you read about angels because there is the, uh, of course, uh, the, the uh, possibility of worshiping angels. And there's the possibility of getting close to uh, what you think is an angel may be an evil spirit and so forth. So be careful. But these two books are good. Billy Graham, David Jeremiah, they're great books. Both of them tell the story about John Payton and his wife. They were in the jungles where they were trying to reach cannibals. And, uh, and they were in their house one night. And this whole army from the tribe he was closest to surrounded their house. And they were shouting and screaming. They had spears. They even had some muskets. And they were saying they were going to kill them. They had come uh, in, you know, and they were not welcome there. And they were going to kill them and so forth. And so John Payton and his wife prayed all through the night. About halfway through the night, it got silent outside. And they didn't know what happened, but they were thankful. A year later, the chief got saved. And sometime after that, John Payton and the chief were was talking about things and and John Payton asked him, what happened that night that y'all surrounded our little house and you, you said you were going to kill us and then in the middle of the night you just left? He said, what happened? You know what happened. 
He said, there was a whole army with you. And they were, they were all dressed in white. And when the warriors saw that great army you had, we fled back into the jungle. John Payton and his wife didn't even know that had happened. So God uses angels to help protect and to minister to his people. Probably most of us will never know if we, if we did see an angel. We wouldn't know it and probably never will, maybe till we get to heaven. But the Bible says sometimes we entertain angels unaware. We're not aware of it when we come in contact to an angel. Angels most of the time are invisible. Sometimes God allows them to manifest themselves in human form. We saw that with... Uh, with uh, Abraham when those three men come walking up one of those men was Christ himself in a pre-incarnate appearance a theophany but the other two were angels they just looked like men and those same two angels later went down and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah angels it's interesting isn't it back in February when we were talking about angels several of you told me some stories you tell me a story out at the door when there's 300 people talking to me, uh, and uh, I will probably forget it. If you'd like to tell me a story about an angel, you, you email it to Miss Karen, and her email is on all the church literature. I'd be glad to read them. But I did come across one I hadn't told you, and that is back in February when we were talking about angels, I called a friend of mine who is uh, a little older than me, maybe 10 years older than me, close to 80, in his 80s possibly and his wife has been sick for a while and I called to check on her and and uh, he's a he's a wonderful believer he goes to a Baptist church he's never been a part of our church but he's just a wonderful brother I've known him about uh, 40 years and uh, he asked me what I was preaching on and I told him angels and he was kind of silent for a minute and he said can I tell you something I said, sure. Now, this man is not given to spectacular stuff. He's, he's not given to drama. He's a very, a very uh, quiet man, very conservative, very committed Christian, loving Christ. He said, can I tell you a story? And I said, sure. He almost seemed embarrassed to tell it because he was afraid I wouldn't believe him. And he said his wife had who had been sick had gotten out of the bed to go to the bathroom and she fell in the bedroom and, and uh, she was laying in the floor hurting and every time he tried to touch her or move her she groaned and cried out and so forth so he, he didn't know what to do he left the room went and called his son his son was on his way over there and he said I knew I couldn't lift her he's a very small man his wife's a, a, a larger woman and he said I knew I couldn't move her he said, but I don't know why I even tried it. He said, but I, I got down on my knees beside her and put my arms under her. And he said, as soon as I touched her, her body just began to float up. He said, my arms were not holding one pound of weight. They were just, they were just touching hers all. But she lifted right up, had to turn around to put her in the bed put her right over in the middle of the bed and laid her down. He said, that whole time I had not lifted one inch. 
He said, you believe in angels? I said, oh, yeah. He said, a little later, I asked her, I said, honey, do you know what happened just a little bit ago? She said, an angel picked me up, put me in the bed. God cares about all of our tears, doesn't he? And all of our heartaches. Most of us will never know if we have seen an angel, but along the way, God lets people know about it. And, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Now, I want to mention something quickly. When people talk about seeing angels, a lot of people talk about big, spectacular stuff that tells a big, exciting story and makes the person telling the story feel like they, you know, something special. Here's some criteria for judging whether a story might be true or not about angels. Here's some things biblically about it. There's, there is to be no worship of angels. God forbids that completely. It's idolatry. You are not to pray to angels. We pray to the Lord. If we need an angel, the Lord knows it. He'll send one. We don't need to ask for one or ask the help of one. No prayer to angels. Angels aid in the heirs of salvation. And when they do, it brings glory to God, not to the person, or not to the angel for that matter. It brings glory to God. And then the story is not going to be given to sensationalism, but it will draw us closer to Christ. Now I have uh, printed off for you some information about angels. It looks like this. I want you to pick it up when you leave today. It's on both sides of one sheet of paper like that. Just pick that up. And uh, it's some information that's kind of retelling what I told back in February. But here's some interesting things about angels. Let me share just a little more about angels. 103 times angels are mentioned in the Old Testament. And, or that is, that name angel is used, the word angel, and then 175 times in the New Testament. But angels are called many other things. They've called, they're called stars, and they're called sons of God. They're called holy ones. They're called men in white apparel. They're even called men in shining apparel or clothing. They're called a host. They're called a chariot of fire. Altogether, 365 times angels are mentioned in God's Word. It's an important part of God's Word. Though we can go too far because remember, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So you've got to be careful. Got to make sure you're, you're biblically sound on what angels are and what they do and what we're not to do, interact with them and so forth. So, angels. One more quick thought, and that is angels are very powerful. Two of them rolled away the stone at the day of the resurrection. One of them will bind Satan. Just one angel will bind Satan at the, at the close of the age and cast him in the bottomless pit. Now, how could one angel do that? Because God strengthened him to do that. Because it was God's will and purpose and plan. They're powerful beings. Two, two of them destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, and then one time, one angel destroyed 185,000 Assyrians. Wow. But we're not to pray to them or worship them. If we need them, the Lord knows. 
We talk to the Lord. We seek our strength and what we need to meet our needs of the Lord. Now, one angel was named Lucifer. And, uh, of course, you know the story. We looked at it in detail back in February. I know you can remember that. You don't even remember February at all, do you? You don't remember one thing about February. I don't either. I understand. But back in February, we looked at detail in, uh, uh, in Isaiah chapter 11 that talks about Lucifer. It starts out in verse 11 by saying, O Lucifer, how or why are you cast down to the earth? And then it talks about his pride. And then we also looked at Ezekiel 28 that talks about him being an anointed cherub and so forth, an angel. Lucifer was an angel. Apparently God created angels with a free will just like he created man with a free will. And we can choose Christ or we can choose to go our own way. And apparently angels can do that too. Lucifer was lifted up with pride. He wanted, as, as chapter 11 says of Isaiah, he wanted to be above the stars of heaven. That's all the other angels. He wanted to be above everybody. And he wanted to be above the throne of God. He even wanted to be above God. And because of his great pride, God cast him down. And uh, now he's called Satan and the devil. So, he was cast down because of his pride. Now, his demons. What are his demons? Some people think demons are disembodied spirits of a civilization before Adam and Eve. Now, there's actually some biblical-minded people, scholars who believe this, not, not many. And that these disembodied spirits somehow were, was pulled over into our creation. You know, that comes from what you've heard, the gap theory. Schofield made that theory kind of famous because he put it in his Schofield Bible. But most scholars reject that idea. And, and, I, and I do. I'm not a scholar, but I reject that idea. But uh, some people think that's what demons are. Then some people think demons are like pop culture ghosts. You know, they're just the spirit of somebody who's died recently and maybe they were unhappy when they died and so they didn't go to heaven or whatever the pop culture says and, and so forth. And, uh, and the really, you know, some of them become ghosts and there's even, quote, good ghosts like Casper, you know. And, uh, and then the really bad ones become demons. I reject that too. I think the, that demons are fallen angels. And I think we'll see that in these next verses I'm going to show you. But before I show you those verses, let me tell you one more thing. I remember when I got saved. Now, growing up, my mom always said, you know how kids are they're afraid when they're little? And my mom always said, there's no such thing as ghosts. And I believed her, and it was comforting. I still believe her today. No such thing as ghosts. When somebody dies, their spirit either goes to heaven or to hell, and there's no in-between. Now, the, uh, so I didn't believe in ghosts. And then I got saved. 
And then my pastor started a series on demons. And I thought, you got to be kidding me. I overcame my fear of ghosts, and now I'm finding out there are demons. And these are real. It's not like a ghost who's just make-believe. These are real, and the Bible was full of stories about them and so forth. And then Karen and I went to a meeting where missionaries were holding some meetings about demons. And they actually had demon-possessed people on, on cassette tape with exorcisms, casting out the demons and so forth in, uh, in uh, the jungles of Africa. Well, that scared me so bad, I just didn't know what to think. So I began to think I might see a demon hiding behind a tree, or I might see a demon hiding behind, a, you know, a bush or something. And so I began to pray, ask the Lord, Lord, please don't let me see a demon. <laughs> now, I was about 16, 17 years old, something like that. I just didn't want to see one. I imagine you don't want to see one either, do you? But they are real, and I think they come from those angels, fallen angels. Well, let me, give it, let me move quickly now. Jesus said here, and he said unto them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Satan fell. Satan was Lucifer, and then he fell to the earth uh, and was cast out. But here in Revelation, it gives us a little more information. It says his tail, that's the tail of the great red dragon, which is explained to be Satan in that same passage. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and, and uh, threw them to the earth. I think that's a third of the created angels. Because many times angels are referred to as stars. And this is a very uh, symbolic passage of Scripture. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to be delivered to devour her child. Notice child is a capital C. That means it's referring to Christ. He was the child, and Satan wanted to destroy the child. You remember how he destroyed 